Welcome to Cocktails and Capital, the working on your business podcast that feels more like grabbing a drink with your best friend. I'm your host, Sarah Tatum, that best friend. I'm the owner of Tatum Accounting, where we invite our clients to take a vacation from their bookkeeping. In this podcast, I'm going to give it to you straight. Talking points and vague tips, we don't do that here. There's a bunch of noise out there in the entrepreneur community, especially when it relates to finances. And when you're trying to run your business, you just don't have time for that. And I know that you would rather be doing literally anything other than recording expenses and logging into your accounting software. So I'm bringing you practical advice without any of the fluff, just like your best friend would. So turn the volume up, grab your gin and tonic, and let's dive into this week's theme. Welcome to episode 11 of Cocktails and Capital. I'm so happy you guys are joining me for another episode of CNC. Uh, This week we are going to be talking about so many of the candid lessons that I have learned um, in running my own business, which has been going on for almost three years. I just realized that while trying to uh, record this podcast. (laughs) Um, And time just flies. It really does. Um, Things get really busy very quickly, much quicker than you expect them to. And uh, it gets really exciting and fun and stressful and scary and all kinds of other emotions um, very, very quickly. And you forget to do so many things like take care of yourself. Um, You forget to spend time with your family in the way that you used to. Um, And you kind of forget to take a step back and separate your business from your personal life. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today in some of the lessons that I'm going to share with you that I learned. So um, my business is a huge part of my life. Uh, It is literally all that I have. Uh, It's all that I've worked for. It's what I've worked really, really hard for. Um, And I I could probably get a little emotional here, but I've worked really hard for almost three years on Tatum Accounting, and I really enjoy um, coming into the office every morning and working on this this business, Um, and I hope that you guys can see that when I record these podcast episodes and show up on Instagram and get on stories or share a reel with you, but I really enjoy doing the thing that I get to do every day and sharing bookkeeping tips and cash flow tips and all the other kinds of um, information that I share with you guys. And I just general, like genuinely enjoy accounting um, and bookkeeping. And um, running my own business was not something that I ever intended on doing. Um, I personally always thought that I would be like the CFO of somebody else's company or the CEO of someone else's company. My biggest dream when I was in like high school or starting to get my accounting degree um, was that I was going to be the CFO of Disney World. That was my biggest dream. I I grew up in Florida, so Disney World, you know, the number one place to be. But uh, that was my biggest dream. And so it was never the thing for me to want to own my own business and really have all this responsibility. Um, But when the opportunity presented itself, I really felt like it was the right time and kind of took the opportunity and ran with it. And I'm really, really glad that I did. 
And I'm sure a lot of you who are listening probably have the same kind of opportunity, just dropped into your lap and took it and ran with it. And here we are today, where you're thinking about grabbing an opportunity that might be in front of you right now. So I'd like to give you a little bit more about my background um, before I started taking accounting. So I grew up in Florida, like I said, um, and I had a very long journey to kind of get my bachelor's degree in accounting. Um, I started off with going to college straight out of high school, very ambitious, and I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, I wanted to be an educator. Um, and I sincerely applaud all of the educators who might be listening to this podcast. Um, it was absolutely not for me. I did one like sit-in session with a teacher at an elementary school and immediately realized that that was not the thing that I should be doing. Um, it was so mind-blowing, the amount of responsibility, and it was so overwhelming to me that I decided that that was not the major that I should be doing. So my hats are off to all educators, all teachers, anybody in the education field. Thank you for everything that you do. I moved on to switching my major probably two or three times to something else. Um, and I honestly don't even remember what I switched to in between <laughs> um, education and accounting, but um, things just kind of shifted around here and there. And additionally, um, in that time, I did get married. I am a military spouse, and so we did move around a couple of times in there. And so that just kind of helped prolong the um, extension period for my degree. But eventually, I did go and get my bachelor's degree in accounting um, from Florida Atlantic University. And I worked in the small corporate side. Um, I don't even know if you could really call it corporate. Uh, I worked for a couple of smaller property management companies in Jacksonville, Florida, and that's where I really got my foot in the door as far as accounting before I even um, had really started working on the accounting classes of my degree. I was still working on like prereqs and I really liked it. It really had um, a lot of interest in the financial side of things and kind of digging deeper into the puzzles that I was running into um, at the property management offices. And that's kind of where everything started. So property management is where everything got going and it's where my roots are. And I guess the big question on everybody's mind while you're listening to this is, well, why did you decide to leave corporate and go start your own business? And I will tell you, um, it was pretty much on a whim. Um, I, <laughs> I had an appointment with my hairstylist one day and she asked me if I could do her bookkeeping. And in order to do that, I kind of needed a business license and to get registered with the state. And the next thing I knew, I was registered as a business and I started advertising and I got a couple new clients here and a couple new clients there. And then I kept advertising and kept going with the marketing and kept networking. And then two and a half years later, almost three years later, actually, um, here we are today. Um, our anniversary is January um, 2020. So we'll be three years old in January of 2023, and we are, we've grown, Tatum Accounting has grown beyond what I thought it would be at this point. 
Um, and we're launching some new services this month and it's really expanded in capacity level. And I've just hired my first employee, um, as a small business owner. And it's just, it's been an absolute roller coaster of an adventure. And I'm really, really glad that I kind of took that chance and went out on that, on that limb, um, during COVID right at the start of COVID and just kind of went out there and took the chance, took the opportunity. So that's my first life lesson. If you're thinking about taking the opportunity, take the opportunity. So let's get into lesson number two. Lesson number two is going to be all about processes and processes for my business have been absolutely essential. And I think they're essential for any small business owner to have. I'll be honest with you, it's something I didn't really think about when I was first starting out with Tatum Accounting because I was really just going off of what I knew that I needed to do. So I knew what the monthly bookkeeping process was in my head, um, and I knew what I needed to do for my salon client. I knew what I needed to do for the other new clients that I had, but I never wrote that down, and I never like tracked it in any system. Um, but I knew that, you know, I knew what I needed to do and I knew that it needed to get done. I knew it needed to get done by a certain day. But the more you grow, the more stuff you have to keep track of, right? And the other thing that you have to think of is what if you want to bring somebody on board? And by the time you bring somebody on board, you're going to be so busy that you're not going to have the time to record those workflows. workflows or record those processes. So the easiest thing to do would have been, <laughs> would have been to record those processes and record those workflows way, way back in like January through May of 2020 when I wasn't nearly as busy as I became in the latter half of 2020, all the way through 2021 and into 2022. Um, there's so many really great tools to do this, you could get a um, task tracker like Asana is really, really great. Monday is a really good one. Uh, ClickUp is also a really good one. And ClickUp has like whiteboards in it and some other really cool tools that you can use that will actually let you like map out where you want your processes to go. The other really cool things that you can use are things like Loom videos, which just let you record like a five minute clip of your screen with your face in the bottom and it's just you talking through exactly what you're doing while you're clicking through all your steps and you can take that clip and put it into your workflow in your task tracker and that way if anybody ever needs to look at that video including you it's there and that process is set until it needs to be edited and changed again and the other lesson that I would want to share with you on processes is that processes cannot be set in stone. They have to be able to be changed. Um, you, you can't be rigid on your processes. Processes have to be able to grow with um, the amount of clients that you take on. They have to be able to grow if you take on an employee. You have to have a review process for your processes. I know this is so many processes. It's literally like, I'm sure everybody's brain is just like, what are you even talking about right now? But it's best if you take 
the processes that you have and do a consistent schedule of like reviewing them. And when you do have people who are using your processes, take their feedback and try to make your processes better based on their feedback. It doesn't hurt to take a good look at what you've done a year ago, six months ago, and see if it can be changed and see if it can be made more efficient or better for your clients, if it will make a better client experience or even a more um, efficient employee experience and see if it'll get you a better revenue per employee cost metric. So all things to think about when it comes to your processes. Number three, and this might be a hard one, um, it was a hard one for me as well, but it's gotten much, much easier as I've gone uh, deeper into the business. And, and it's one that I kind of refuse to be lenient on. And what I'm talking about are boundaries. So boundaries can come in so many different forms when you're a small business owner. It can be as small as setting a boundary with yourself. I know that that doesn't sound small necessarily, but it can be a small thing like actually shutting off your computer at a specific time of day and forcing yourself to have that boundary at 5 p.m. The computer is done. Workday is done. We're shutting off. We're going to go spend time with our family or with ourselves. And we're going to decompress from the workday. And we're going to separate work from our personal lives. Now. I say that and it is currently 5.44 p.m. and I am recording this podcast. So this is not a perfect boundary. Um, <laughs> we, Like I said, things are flexible sometimes. Um, you have to, you, sometimes you have to do what you have to do, right? Um, podcast episodes have to go out. This has to go out next Wednesday. So this is what it is. But when you're crafting your boundaries for your working hours, Think about how you want your clients to contact you and what you want your clients' expectations of you to be. So our clients know that we're open from 9 to 4, Monday through Friday, and we have a designated phone number. Um, it is an office phone number, and we also have our client portal where they can contact us at any time. We did not always have a client portal um, where they could get in contact with us at any time. It was generally email or phone. Um, with our email, what I would do is I would check my email at like eight o'clock at night and I would send an email out at 8.05. And what that does is it sets the expectation that you're working at 8.05 p.m. and possibly 10 p.m. and you're checking your email. And if you're checking your email, then when they send you an urgent email, anybody sends you an urgent email at 10 p.m. at night, that you should see it because you saw it that one night. So why did you not see this urgent email that they needed you to address? So you have to set these clear boundaries of we are working from 9 to 4, and that is when emails are addressed. So schedule send email feature is your best friend when it comes to setting these time communication boundaries. Um, making sure that they know which phone number they can contact for any questions or concerns. That is another boundary that can be set. Other boundaries that are very important to set are ones that surround your company policies. 
And this can be things like your refund policy, your late fee policy, um, your your client expectations of when you expect them to give you uh, forms, documents. Um, if you expect them, if you're a personal trainer and you expect them to follow your meal plans within a certain percentage, say like 90% um, follow rate would maybe be my guess of a metric. Um, and you have a client that is just consistently not following their meal plans and they're just willy-nilly going out to eat every night and they're not at all doing what they're supposed to be doing, that would be a boundary that they are just completely breaking. They're not respecting the work that you have put in to get them to a better place and it's they're not valuing the services that you provide enough to follow that meal plan. I hope that that makes sense. Um, so boundaries for client processes, boundaries for client expectations. Uh, boundaries are really your best friend in work and in personal. And when you start to develop these boundaries, you want to hold firm to them as much as you can. Sometimes you can be a little bit lenient with them, but I try to hold on and be as strong to my boundaries as I can um, with any clients, potential clients, old clients, anybody that I have um, in my little circle. Lesson number four is all about hiring. And I'm sure some of you may have heard this before, but it's one of my favorite sayings and it is hire slow, fire fast. So, so with hire slow, fire fast, it kind of relates back to processes. You want to build out your employee hiring process as well as you can, that it is a very, very well thought out, slow moving, intricate process where you are going to pick the best candidate who not only meets your criteria, but who fits the vibe of your business and meshes well with you as the business owner. If you're a small business, one person operation like me, um, at the time before I hired somebody and you are bringing on a person to uh, take on a client load and represent your brand, you want to make sure that that person is kind of an extension of you in personality and in vibe. And you want to make sure that you guys are equally on the same page and you're, you're on the same foot when it comes to how you're going to treat your clients. And when you're hiring slowly, you have less risk of firing quickly. Now, hire slow, fire fast does not mean, you know, you hire somebody and something doesn't work out within the first like two weeks. So great, go ahead and just get rid of them. Um, no, we're not going to do that. We're not just going to fire people. That's not what fire fast means. Um, fire, fire fast means that if you have gone through the process of documenting any discretions, you've gone through the process of coaching, extra training, all the things that you've tried to do in order to make this employee better, in order to make the employee work out, then when you finally made the decision to let them go, you do it quickly. 
that's what the fire fast is. So you do all that extra coaching, all that extra documentation and everything within a quick time period. You don't let it lag on quickly. Once you notice something is going wrong, then you make a note and you, you pay attention. But once things start to go downhill, you, you kind of shorten the timeline, if that makes sense. So that's what fire fast kind of means. So we're hiring slowly to make sure that we get the best candidate and we're reducing our risk that way. But when we do need to let somebody go, we're going to do it in a quicker fashion. But we're going to do it the right way and we're going to make sure that we have all of our documentation. If you need assistance with any of that, the Society of Human Resource Management, SHRM, is a really great resource for that. Uh, and we'll link that down in the show notes below. I didn't have as much experience with this from running the business, but from being in uh, property management, I did have a couple of people that I did have to um, go through the hiring process with. Um, and I did hire a few people to work with me on my accounting team there. Um, and I mean, honestly, our hiring process was not great. Um, it was pretty quick. Um, and it led to a lot of not great hires. And so when I went on to hire here for my first employee, I made sure that I wrote out exactly what I wanted in an employee. I made sure I wrote out how I wanted our hiring process to go, what I wanted to be able to compensate her, and how I wanted everything to be handled, how I wanted to check references, how I wanted to do background checks, who I was going to use for that. I wrote out my entire process and put it all into my process manager, which I prefer Asana for. And, um, made sure that I knew what I was doing going into it so that I was more prepared for all of my interviews and I could find the best candidate slowly. So <laughs> that, that is my, that is my lesson on hiring. My number one lesson when it comes to marketing, when you're running your own business is that it's just all about consistency. Um, and honestly, this is a lesson that I am still learning today. Uh, consistency in general is a hard thing for a lot of people to, to do, um, requires a lot of discipline. And when you're so busy with all the other areas of your life, it's really hard to focus on the one specific area that you might be neglecting a little bit more than others. So since I have hired an employee though, I found it uh, much easier to devote more time to marketing. And so it's giving me an opportunity to be a little bit more consistent with marketing. But I found that consistency is really the key to progress with your marketing, with um, your with your stats on marketing um, and your increases in follower count, your increases in engagement, your increases all across the board are really going to be based on your consistency level. And it's really not about success on social media. It's about progress. There's going to be some really great 
times where you have a reel that might for for me it's six thousand views i am i am not in the ten thousand views plus club yet but uh some days we have a reel that hits six thousand some days we have a reel that gets like 80 views and it's it just is what it is but the point of it is that we are getting views and it's because we're being consistent now um there were a few months where we were not consistent and everything dropped and that's just it is to be expected um but consistency really is the key and if you want to be successful in any way on social media um, and marketing in general you really just have to start you have to get out there you have to put your face out there you don't you don't have to put your face out there but um i think it helps and i just enjoy it and <laughs> um and really, the consistency will get you where you want to go. And then the last um, couple tips that I would like to share, last couple lessons I'd like to share with you guys, are kind of some accounting tips and lessons that I have learned along the way while I've owned this business. Um, and the big one, really big one, is that mistakes are always fixable. Um, clients' mistakes, my mistakes, employees' mistakes, anybody's mistakes. Um, there's not been a mistake that I've run into yet, whether it's during a cleanup of a client's books or whether um, I'm going over, you know, monthly statements to prepare for a client and I'm catching a mistake that I made or even if I'm reviewing a, a return uh, before I send it to the, the client. There's never been a time where a mistake has not been fixable. Um, and even if the client has already filed their return and they're bringing it, that's still fixable. We can always amend a return. So things are always fixable. Um, I know that sometimes financials can seem really, really daunting and bookkeeping can be really, really stressful. And I just like to pepper into every episode that it doesn't have to be stressful. Um, it can actually be a little bit fun sometimes when it starts to kind of ease up and make a little bit more sense and provide you the information that you want out of it and not just be a chore. So just remember if you're ever looking at something and you think, oh my gosh, I absolutely messed up all these entries. My income statement is an absolute wreck. There's no way this is ever going to get fixed. It is. It will. <laughs> Everything can be fixed. Uh, there's cleanup services for a reason. Um, and mistakes are always fixable. So don't, don't worry about it. Don't beat yourself up. And just... Try to relax when it comes to your bookkeeping. Everything is always fixable. And the next thing, and then the last thing, is that I learned in property management that when you're looking at an income statement versus a cash flow statement, it will really help to change your mind flow around your cash. Um, and it's been that's that thought process has been further solidified after owning my own business and looking at my own cash um and then trying to coach clients on their cash reserves and so 
What I mean by this, changing your mindset around cash, is that when you look at an income statement, sometimes, and we've, we've gone over this on so many podcast episodes and on Instagram, but um, sometimes when you look at an income statement, if it's not been a great month, um, you might have had a higher order on your expenses for you know making your product, or you might have had a huge shipping costs this month, um, or you had to pay a legal fee and it put a huge uh, expense line item on your legal fees, and it's putting your net income in the negative. And so you're looking at your income statement and you're going, oh my gosh, my income for this month is so negative. I don't know what I did wrong. I had all these sales, all this revenue, but everything is negative and it's terrible. Like, what are we going to do? I have to increase my prices. But if you go over to your cash flow statement, the holy grail of statements, in my opinion, if you go over to your cash flow statement, when you look at your cash flow from the beginning of the period and your cash flow at the end of the period, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, even though that net income number is negative, your net, your cash flow during the period will be positive. So you will have negative net income, but you will have had positive cash flow the whole month. You will not have run out of cash. You would have been constantly bringing cash in the whole month. You would not have run out of money to pay your expenses You've been bringing in money the whole month. Your sales are coming in. You're doing good. That's the statement that I want you to look at. To remind yourself that you're doing good. You're succeeding. Things are good. And you're accomplishing things that you set out to do because you took a chance on this business. And that's important. That cash flow statement is going to remind you that you did something good. You took a chance. So that's my last life lesson from owning a small business. I hope that these were helpful to some of you. Um, if you guys have any questions about any of these lessons, if you want to talk about any of them, please feel free to email me. Um, our email is in the contact information in the show notes. Um, we're also on Instagram at Tatum Accounting. And yeah, I hope you guys have a really great week, and I will see you here next Wednesday. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and follow Tatum Accounting on Instagram. You can also do us a huge favor by leaving a review. It's the best way to support us. Let's catch up next week, same time, same place.